From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, targeted tumor therapy and cataract surgery in developing nations at the AAO. If you find a change here, there's a high likelihood that there's a clinical trial or already FDA-approved drug. First this. Imagine a library of 100,000 books in subjects that interest you and subjects that don't. The books of this library are arranged, bizarrely, by publisher and date of publication. How useful would such a library be to you? How soon would you give up on trying to find a book that really interested you? ASCRS's impressive online content has been a little like that library until now. The new ASCRS Center for Learning at ASCRS.org learn organizes the vast and growing ASCRS online content, podcasts, and CME offerings into a unified, searchable whole so that we can find the material we want in the format that best suits us. Go to ASCRS.org and click on Center for Learning or go directly to ASCRS.org slash learn. I had the opportunity to interview a number of people advancing the forefront of ophthalmology during the AAO annual meeting in Chicago. Edited versions of these interviews are presented on the iWorld Replay website as brief videos. I'm going to present these interviews in their entirety over a number of podcasts. Today, we'll hear from Rajesh Rao on targeted tumor therapy and Ravila Ravindran on access to affordable, high-quality cataract surgery in developing nations. I'm here with Rajesh Rao. Rajesh, you, you give a wonderful, wonderful talk. I have to tell you, it's the coolest thing that I've heard of. You know, rather than my describing what you're doing, let, let me get you to, to describe it, and then I have some follow-up questions. Okay. So we're thinking out what are the unmet needs in ophthalmology and where is the cutting edge technology now, especially in other fields, and how can we apply to ophthalmology? So one unmet need is uh, precision medicine. Precision medicine refers to what are the unique genetic mutations and alterations that are unique to the tumor and that can be exploited for treatment or diagnosis. One of these areas that haven't been explored yet is orbital lymphoma and or ocular adnexal lymphoma, so basically lymphoma that forms around the eye um, or in the conjunctiva. And so what we did is we realized that the standard of care for most of these lymphomas is uh, chemotherapy or radiation, and these are relatively non-targeted treatments, and they reflect an older era, even though they're highly effective because a lot of the lymphomas that occur around the eye are lower-grade lymphoma. But there are still some unmet needs there because a few of them can recur. And there are also some subtypes of these that um, can form and spread across the body and metastasize very readily, like diffuse large piece of lymphoma. And here in particular, there's an unmet need of we need better treatments because the prognosis for this subtype is relatively poor. So in summary, what we did is we took 40 of these tumors, approximately 40 of them on formalin fixed embedded blocks, some of them up to 30 years old. We were able to look and see where the tumor is on these archived blocks, dissect out the genomic DNA from these tumors, and then put it on a panel, which was one of the precursors to the NCI match panel. The NCI match trial is a national trial which just started last year, in which tumors are being 
sequence for the genomic alterations, and doesn't matter whether it's from the ovary, whether it's from the brain, whether it's from wherever, if they carry the same genetic mutations as any other tumor in part of the body, that means that patient could be eligible to enroll in that trial. So that's the precision medicine angle on this, and this is the type of panel that we used to analyze these tumors, and we found several interesting mutations, including some that would allow some of these patients with lymphoma to enroll for up to four different ongoing clinical trials that target a particular genetic change in that tumor. Rajesh, one of the, 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 the distinctions that you draw is between precision medicine and standard of care medicine. I think that it, it, it's a point worth spelling out that um, what you're talking about is is identifying more customized treatments based upon a patient's particular tumor markers. Now, how many uh, markers or mutations or amplifications do, did you look for in, in your study, and what are the different sorts of things that you looked for? Okay. So typically on these panels, we're testing for two generally different types of changes. One, point mutations or single changes in the DNA sequence. Uh, along the DNA in particular genes, oncogenes or tumor suppressors which regulate cancer formation. The other thing we were looking at is the number of each of these changes, so large sections of DNA that are either lost or gained, so-called copy number alterations, high-level losses, or high-level gains. You could imagine that if you have a high-level gain of an oncogene, your risk for developing cancer is increased. High-level loss of a tumor suppressor also increases your risk. Now there are annotated point mutations because these panels are made of mutations which have already been picked up in other cancers that are also make um, these tumors at higher risk for growth, such as so-called gain-of-function mutations in oncogenes or loss-of-function mutations in tumor suppressors. So our panel contained 126 of these genes in which we could detect point mutations or copy number loss or gain, and each of these genes are, can be long and there can be changes in various regions within a gene. So we looked at 3,000 potential changes that it could, could occur across the genome in 126 genes which are already linked to cancer, but not only that, they're actionable, meaning if you find a change here, there's a high likelihood that there's a clinical trial or already FDA-approved drug that is using an agent that's directed to that mutation in a given cancer. You know, it's really, really neat stuff for a, for a, for a nerdy guy like, like me. It, it seems to me that what you're doing is you're generating sort of tumor metadata, and um, you're approaching this from a from a big data model standpoint, kind of like a search engine. Uh, and of course, uh, the 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 labeling of metadata is the the prerequisite to do these sorts of searches. Uh, it's really, really, really wonderful stuff. Rajesh, I want to thank you very much for, for bringing this to us and, of course, for being so very generous with your time with us today. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. I'm here with Ravila Ravindran. Ravindran, you, 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 you gave a wonderful, wonderful talk. Let me just sort of set things up so that we, we don't have to start at square one. We can start at square two. Um, you uh, said I was surprised that um, blindness in developing countries can be as high as, you were saying, 0.6.7% of the population of whom the majority um, may be treatable, may, may, may be patients with, with cataracts. And I was surprised, too, that you said, although I guess in retrospect that it, that it, that it, that it makes sense, the majority of these patients are uh, women. Um, the thing that surprised me most 
was when you went over what the challenges were in uh, getting treatment to these patients, even if there is a medical center that is present that's capable of doing it. Can I get you to sort of flesh some of this stuff out for me? As I mentioned, uh, the, the, in India, actually, the, the, the prevalence of blindness is a little close to about 1%. Or maybe a little less than about one percent, and uh, majority of that is due to cataract. About sixty percent or sixty-five percent of that is due to cataract. But we all know that a simple ten-minute cataract surgery can restore the vision in these patients. But the challenge is, how do we reach these patients who have cat- who have cataract? If you look at the population profile, about seventy percent of the population in India is in the rural areas. But majority, almost about 90% of the ophthalmologists live in the urban areas and also the eye hospitals. So reaching them is, is a real challenge. So if you have to, if you are able to reach them, if you are able to mobilize them to the hospital and if you can provide the surgical care. You know, there are a large number of uh, charity-based eye hospitals which are willing to provide, give that services. But reaching them is, is a big challenge today. Now, you're, you're working within the... Aravind system in Madurai and Tamil Nadu. Um, and what I, I also used so many things you said surprised me was that the geographic uh, catchment area for the paying part, the private part of Aravind is larger than for the the free hospital treating indigent patients. I certainly would have thought that it would have been the opposite. What, what are the difficulties in reaching the indigent populations, and what are some of the things that Aravind has has done? You were mentioning in terms of setting up satellite centers uh, to try to reach these people. Yeah, typically people who are poor in the rural areas they are dependent on their day to day income. So only if they go for the work on the particular day, they're able to have their earning, which, you know, that is what they use it for buying the, the groceries or the essentials for their making the food at home. I mean, if they are not going, they are going to lose that wages. And again, if somebody is going to hospital, it means someone else also have to accompany them. So all that makes it difficult for the people to come to the hospital. And we have adopted earlier to reach these patients using ICAMs. A screening eye camp, which is like a mobile camp, wherein two or three doctors, along with a team of paramedics, will go there, do a comprehensive eye examination, even refract the patients in the campsite, and give glasses on the same sitting. Even, even we, we take a set of lenses and, and the frames, and we are able to even provide glasses there. But even though we do, we are able to reach a large number of patients, almost like one-third of the 270,000 cataract surgeries we do, about 90,000 cataract surgeries, the patients are brought through this ICAM. But still, we are not able to reach everyone in the community. And it, we are also not, go, not able to go beyond cataract. So for that, we have also created an alternate model called as a primary eye care centers. We call them also as a vision center. These are manned by two technicians. And one of them can do the refraction, do an eye examination. The other person can manage and uh, we are able to see about 20, 25 patients in these centers. And we charge a very small fee of about 20 rupees, which is like less than half a dollar. And that makes, if you are able to get about 25, 30 patients, we are able to sustain that center. And these centers uh, have an, uh, an electronic medical record on the cloud. And where all the uh, uh, examination findings are uploaded by the technician. 
and also we have a fun camera fundus camera which can take the photograph of the anterior segment and the posterior segment of the eye and this can also be uploaded into the medical record and uh, a surgeon a ophthalmologist in the hospital a typical resident can see these details and can interact with the technician get further details and also counsel the patient and send out a prescription from the hospital so this again we are able to reach a large number today with about 60 centers we see about 1400 1500 patients do the teleconsultation and that is again you know we are able to mobilize this is a way we are trying to reach the people in the uh, uh, the rural area so once you know by doing this vision center model the patient are given an exact date when they have to come and the which person they have to see and if they want to have a surgery in the pain how much it will cost if it's in free surgery how much it will cost all the data details are given so that you know when they walk in they come prepared for the surgery they get the surgery and go back home on the next day so that makes the whole access also much easier for the patient and again for the follow up examination all that can be done in the same mission center so that way we create the access for the patient now when 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 we hear of the these tremendous numbers of uh patients that uh Aravind is uh, seeing in these these enormous numbers of surgeries you reminded me that this is really just from Tamil Nadu and that other places other areas of India that are very poor like Uttar Pradesh uh which are very far from Tam- Tamil Nadu that Aravind is uh is consulting with medical centers there to sort of replicate this very successful model Yeah so uh, I mean our uh, goal the Dr Venkat Sami who founded the organization is uh, vision is to see that you know the, the avoidable blindness or the needless blindness is eliminated from India and also across the world and uh, keeping that in mind that philosophy has made us share our model whatever we do better with the other eye hospitals today we work with about 260 eye hospitals within India and we have a dedicated uh, consulting division called lions aravind institute of community ophthalmology with close to about 25 staff uh, their main job is to work with these hospitals currently they work, they are working with about 20 eye hospitals including about six of those hospitals in africa and a few of them also in asia but outside india and where you know we we work with these hospitals for about 3 years bringing a team from that hospital to our hospital to see what we do and again once they come up with a strategic plan of what they will do in the next 3 to 5 years our team also will go there periodically to evaluate the progress so by that way there are hospitals which have gone from 10000 surgeries to about 120000 surgeries wow there are hospitals which have gone from 1000 surgeries to about 40000 surgeries wow so the we we are able to make the change provided we have good leadership I mean, leadership all is the one that makes all the difference and the passion they have to to carry on the good work the model we have in aravind they want to duplicate it it's possible and we are willing to share the model every bit of it so well ravindra this is absolutely wonderful stuff um i'm 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 so glad that that that, that you're that you bring this this to us and uh, i'm very grateful for your generosity with the time you've spent with us today thank you rajesh rao is assistant professor of ophthalmology and visual sciences and assistant professor of pathology at the kellogg eye center at the university of michigan in ann arbor michigan ravila ravindran comes to us from the aravind eye hospital in madurai india 
ask questions of Dr. Rao, Dr. Ravindran, or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at josh at iWorld.org. As Seen From Here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.